I must say, I had a point in my ministry where I felt like if I recited scripture, I was showing off. I have come away from that because this is God's word. It's not, it's showing him off. Vivacious, wise, and extremely focused are all adjectives that describe today's guest. Not to mention the fact that she has traveled, and I have to read it, to Haiti, India, Thailand, Nepal, the Philippines, Uganda, Kenya, China, Ukraine, and Angola to teach the Word of God. Ruth Coghill is a powerhouse, and today she will relight your fire in living a life of no compromise for Jesus Christ. My name is Carol McLeod. Welcome to season four of Significant Women. Significant Women is a podcast for women to gather with their personal stories and to glean wisdom from the lives of others. Our goal is to simply encourage women who've been made in the image of God, and that includes all of us, that every season of your life matters. It matters very much. Well, wait until you eavesdrop on my conversation with the unsinkable Ruth Coghill. You're going to love this woman. And at least I know I did. You're going to wish that she lived right next door to you. Ruth's passion to motivate women to embrace life-changing truths through reading, studying, memorizing, and meditating on the Word of God is one of the greatest privileges of Ruth's life. She considers it a delight to encourage and develop Christian leaders to fulfill their potential and calling. But even more than that, Ruth has become a tender and caring voice for men and women who are on a post-abortion journey. We'll talk about that today as well. So please welcome my new friend, all the way from Canada, Ruth Coghill. Ruth, I am so thrilled to have you. You're a Canada girl. I'm in Oklahoma. And so the miracle of technology, here we are looking at each other's faces and getting ready to talk about our favorite subject, Jesus and the Word Amen. of God and ministry. <laughs> so thank you. So Ruth, I always like to just start by, just tell us about Ruth. Tell us about what makes you tick. Tell us about your family life. Tell us what you do on an ordinary day. Just let's be your friend for a ah, Wow. Well, I love to speak and I love to, well, I don't really love to write, but I'm learning to love to write on a day-to-day basis. But what makes me tick? Well, I uh, spent some time in a depression early in my marriage, and I discovered during that time that I couldn't live without God's Word. So what makes me tick now, from now on, is getting God's Word into my heart. My motto is living God's Word and sharing it with others because of what he did in my life when it looked pretty hopeless uh, with a resignation from teaching and all of that devastation. And then God reached down and um, helped me to realize that the foundation that I had been raised on 
through my parents was the true foundation. That was the Bible. My mom used to say, the Bible has the answer to everything. And I used to kind of question that, Carol. But, you know, as I went through my depression and then uh, went on to share with other women and men, and I discovered that God's word has the answer to all the things that need answers. And the other things don't really matter. Oh, Ruth, did you know that's about my exact story, that I went through a deep depression in my 30s because of infertility? And I always say that, and then I developed an addiction in addition to the depression, and the addiction was to the Word of God. Yes. And the Word delivered me from that dark place. So we are like kindred spirits already. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I love it. And about um, my family, though, you asked that too. And uh, yeah. I have, we have four grown children, we have 13 grandchildren, and uh, we have a very, very wonderful family, need I say any more about that. And, um, and Bob and I live in the Quarthas, which is the area of Ontario where there are lots of lakes, it's kind of cottagey country, and uh, we enjoy the lake on a daily basis. Right now it's frozen over, and um, we can skate there in the afternoons or whenever we choose to. And uh, we, we uh, regularly entertain guests in our home here. We renovated an old home five years ago, and uh, we love entertaining. We love having people in, in um, our home to share God's word. And as a matter of fact, we recently started a Sunday morning book club <laughs> to share the ancient writings. <laughs> I love it. The ancient writings. I bet I know which writings you're referring to as well. <laughs> I thought you'd catch on. <laughs> so how long have you been married, Ruth? We've been married 56 years. Stop it. I thought yes. you were going to say like 42 or something. <laughs> no, oh, I, was, I was a teenager, but uh, barely. And uh, we've yeah. had 56 years together, <laughs> married, oh, not just together. Yeah. I get you. I get you. And do your kids live around you? Do your grandchildren live close to you? Our children live on both ends of the province and right in the middle. So we are three hours from the closest and then five from the other two extremes of the province. But we do get together prior to the uh, season of uh, C-19. We were together three or four times a year here at our our, uh, beautiful location. So, Ruth, um, I love talking about joy and about hope. Um, I think that those are the two commodities that our world is on this search for. And they're, of course, searching for it in all the wrong places. So when you think about those two words, Ruth, joy and hope, um, where would you tell people to get it? And how would you tell them to access it? Mm, Like be practical. That's a loaded question. Well, first of all, hang around with people that have joy. It's just absolutely amazing how contagious is joy. You know, sometimes uh, earlier on in my life, I would stand on the outskirts of, uh, of the fun people watching how much joy they had. But boy, I wanted that joy too. And I discovered that the joy giver is truly Jesus. And it's not about just knowing him. It's about really knowing him and resting in him and taking everything that he said 
to be ours. You know, embracing is a wonderful word when it comes to joy and hope. We embrace it. They are gifts. Both joy and hope are gifts from the Father through Jesus. And a gift is a gift until it's received. And then it becomes ours when we reach out and receive joy and hope. So I would say be around uh, happy people, around people that have discovered true joy, not a superficial joy. You know, I used to say that, um, you know, some of the joy that I had was a little pasted on. And uh, then I realized that I wasn't nearly as put together as I wanted people to think I was. And I wanted to have, right? You know, it's just this human nature that we want everybody to think that we have got it all together. And I've had a couple of experiences in my life where I was brought literally to my all fours at a speaking engagement where I was the guest speaker on the platform. I ended up on all fours. And so I discovered that it was time to get rid of the phony and to be the real. And uh, so that's the joy. So be around joyful people. Be real. Be yourself. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to let others know what's going on inside. Don't we all fear that people won't like us if they really knew it, what we are like inside? I mean, I am not the best person when I'm angry. And uh, so we want this, uh, this kind of facade. But we don't have to do that because there's someone that can fill in all those broken places in our lives so that our joy will be complete. And as for hope, wow, what a huge word that is. And what a word that our world needs right now. I've discovered that my hope diminishes when I start looking at things around. But if I keep Hebrews, the 12th chapter, fixing my eyes on Jesus, just keep fixing, keep fixing, you know, they get here and looking at what's going on in the world and the hope diminishes. But if we look at the lasting hope, this year I was praying about what would be my verse for the year. And I was having such a hard time. We went through a bit of a family challenge and and are still, and you know, how do you find that right word? And one day someone said to me, you know, what you're going through is temporary. And I, it, it resonated with me. And then I started looking and I found that scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 18. Let's not lose heart while we're fading away on the outside. Inside, we're being renewed day by day. So set your heart on things above because what we can see is temporary and what we cannot see is eternal. So we have to have that eternal perspective to have true hope that's going to get us through these days. Oh, so good. So good. So Ruth, you know, I've read this little quote before this saying that says, choose joy. And then recently I read a blog by somebody I actually really admire, and she says, you can't choose joy. Well, Mm -hmm. I've always thought you could. I've always thought that, well, for me, by my daily disciplines, taking every thought captive, um, declaring the word while I'm in the fire, that those things all have helped me to choose joy. Do you think it's possible to choose joy? I think it is. I really do. And, And again, I see it as a gift 
doesn't mean that there aren't things that we need to do to enhance the joy. But we have to start off by saying, I desire joy. It's like, do you want to be well? Do you want to have joy? And so I make that declaration. I want it. Now, I may have to do some things to to receive the gift totally, but all of these things, every good gift is from above. It's all from him. They're all gifts. I don't deserve them, but he gives them to me and he helps me to access them when I don't really know how. He does, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. And I think when somebody gives us a gift, and I love that you're pointing that out, we get to choose whether to open it or not, right? Exactly. You know, um, my grandchildren at Christmas time, I have gifts under the tree. Not one of them left their gift there. (laughs) They all (laughs) grabbed them and opened them and were jumping up and down about what I had chosen for them. And I think that we need to be the same way about the Father because He chooses good gifts for us. And when He gives them, we need to enthusiastically open them and saying, oh, thank you, God. Thank you that joy is for me. Thank you that hope is for me. So Ruth, I know that um, you teach the word, and I love that about you, that you, you're you a word girl. Um, what is the one lesson that you feel very qualified to teach women? Like I would never teach women how to lose weight, right? <laughs> um, I, I think I have some parenting and grandparenting skills in my wheelhouse. Um, but we don't even have to go practical. You can go spiritual if you want to. But what is the one life lesson that you think, oh, yeah, I could teach women that? Well, I'm not sure how qualified I was, but um, a number of years ago, after finishing teaching a precept class, some girls come up to me, uh, two or three of them come up, and they said, would you teach us to memorize scripture? And I looked at them like, what do you mean? You just do it. But um, I went home with that challenge and asked the Lord to show me if there was anything that it helped me to, to, to memorize scripture over the years. And I have been a memorizer for many years. And so my second book in my series is called Woman of the Word, A Memorizing Scripture Experience. <laughs> so I feel qualified, not in that I have it perfected, but in that it has become something that has really changed my life and really has been one of the greatest spiritual disciplines that I have ever incorporated. And so I feel qualified in that. I have collected stories from other people who have have had amazing results from memorizing scripture. And I myself, uh, after my uh, depression, there were periods throughout my life when this would come, this cloud would come back. And I can remember when I made the decision to go out walking and uh, not feeling like it, but just saying, I am going to walk. And then as I walked, begin to recite scripture. And amazingly, by the end of that 45 to an hour a minute walk, there was a difference in my spirit. So I feel somewhat qualified to teach memorizing scripture. And I know that's a spiritual thing, but it's so, it, it is so exciting to see what happens. Having the enthusiasm and the, the knowledge 
to teach women how to memorize the word is really exciting to me. Um, you know, I always say, listen, if, if I could tell you how to make a million dollars, you would listen to me. And I had done it. If I could tell you how to lose 50 pounds and keep it off and I had done it, you'd listen to me. Well, for me, like you, it is the word of God that keeps me sane, right? Not only does it give me joy and abundant life and hope and all those extras, all those cherries on the top, but it keeps me stable. Um, so let's pretend I'm a newbie and you're saying, Carol, you need to memorize the word. Okay, this is th this is the one, two, three. This is how I want you to begin memorizing the word. I realized when, uh, when I was asked to teach that there was a desire, and that was the most important thing, a desire. And as I prayed about how I would put this into some sort of a class, which I created a six-week class, I realized that we are in a different time than we were 50, 75 years ago. We're in a fast-paced society. And so the way that I created this course was to do it corporately. So I'm very much about the body of Christ and functioning as the body. I watch and see people trying to do things on their own. And so the one, two, three in our class was that we would do it together. We would do it collectively. And so we took a passage and the one that I took for the book was Psalm 8, that beautiful Psalm. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. And, and couldn't we all memorize that together as four or five women? Yes. Together, standing shoulder to shoulder or side by side, we could recite that. And by the end of the class, we had a memorized verse. And then verse 9 is a repeat of the first part of that verse. And so, first of all, we show that it's not that hard when you do it together. And so over the course of the six weeks, we've, we divided that psalm up. And uh, each person had a part to play, but everybody had four verses that we did together. And it was a beautiful experience. What happened though, Carol, was that women got so excited that they went home. They started applying, you know, writing out, writing on their mirrors or whatever way that they chose, which worked for them. And many of them memorized the whole psalm in six weeks. And, uh, and it, it was such a beautiful experience. One day, I remember when we got to the scriptures where it's uh, all flocks and fields and beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, that part of the psalm. And I wasn't quite sure how I was going to do it. And one girl came dancing into this classroom and she said, hey, I put that to music. And she did just what I did and, you know, and put this little lilt to it. And it was amazing. We started putting all our ideas together and collectively we memorized a psalm in six weeks. And I took that psalm across to Ukraine. I, I taught that in Africa and I taught it in several places where I had the privilege of being in Bible schools or whatever uh, place that I was asked. And, um, and the people caught on. It was just amazing because we weren't trying to prove that we could do it ourselves. Although I must say, I had a point in my 
ministry where I felt like if I recited scripture, I was showing off. I have come away from that because this is God's word. It's not, it's showing him off. And, uh, and so it's been a beautiful body of Christ experience, memorizing scripture. I love it. So good. So tell me about your wow Bible study series. I know you've written four, I believe. Tell, tell me about, I think, are they all four weeks each? Is that right? Yes. Okay. Four lessons. Four lessons. We call them, I call them four lessons, Carol, because, because often in, in many studies, women want to go longer, but as over the years, you've probably noticed too, the busyness of life, Bible studies that, uh, you know, had an hour of work each day to do, those studies dwindled. And my heart was to create something that would have the deep truths, but not be overwhelming to these mothers at home, that they would still feel that they were growing spiritually and not being left out of that Bible study at Thursday mornings at the church. And so they're all four lessons. And partly so that we could say, join me for a week of Tuesdays. And we're going to look at what it means to be a woman of worth. And that woman of worth, that's the first book. It is Lifelong Encouragement from Psalm 139. And the four ver- the four sections, which uh, are so, so personal. And then the second one is Woman of the Word, which I just explained to you, memorizing corporately. The third one, is Woman of Wisdom. That's threads of covenant woven through the pages of Ruth. And my sister, who's a, a, an inductive uh, Bible study teacher as well, uh, she worked with me on this one. And then the fourth one I hope to have out this spring, and it's called Woman of Worship, a walk through the Old Testament tabernacle onto the New Testament Jesus. And um, I wanted to have it done long ago, but the Lord interrupted me in 2009 to write another book, a collection of stories of women and men who had been uh, impacted by abortion. So that's the WOW series and Unborn, Untold, True Stories of Abortion and God's Healing Grace. Again, all about the word. Yeah. So so let's um, segue to, to your book about abortion. Um, why did you write that book, Ruth? What what a difficult, bittersweet topic to have to talk to all these people. What what compelled you to write this book? Well, we had a very unexpected pregnancy 17, 16 years after our oldest was born. We'd always wanted four children, but they didn't come the way we planned, so we gave up after uh, 10 years. We always wanted four, but we wanted them all in the same decade. And they didn't come that way. But um, so a surprise pregnancy. I was in my 40s and um, I, we were very excited. And um, but because of some concerns, we were we were sent to, to a specialist to evaluate the pregnancy and to see if we could be in a certain place for the birth of our child, which was not uncommon in that time. Well, when we went for the, the counseling and the testing, we were offered an abortion. And um, it shook my world. It totally shook my world. I wasn't expecting that. That's not what we went for. But we were in 
front of this professional, handsome-looking doctor, just as though it was the topic of the day. Well, would you like to continue this? And I stopped up my ears because it hurt. And fortunately, my husband was sitting there. He got, he said, no, 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 that's not why we're here. Fast forward, a beautiful boy was born after Christmas. Actually, this is February 1st is his birthday. And, and, um, he was not well at first, but he's a healthy man today. Well, two years ago now, because of that experience, I knew someday I would need to tell my story because of how it impacted me. It changed my heart towards what women face. Number one, And the challenges when they're afraid and they don't know what's ahead. And it changed my judgmental heart because I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't had a husband beside me. I would like to tell you that I would have been this righteous young woman. But I can't tell you that, honestly, because that wasn't my story. And so my heart began to change, but it was hurting. And I knew someday I would tell my story. But over the years, I had one particular woman in her 70s that came to me uh, after Bible study one day. And we sat and had tea. And she said, Ruth, would you please tell my story? She proceeded to tell me that 50 years before, she had aborted two babies. And And I said, you tell your story. It's your story. I'll help you tell it. She said, I can't. Nobody knows. I have kids and grand. It's too late. She made me promise that I would tell that story. So Mm -hmm. here, 15, 16 years later, January 8th, 2019, our son that we were asked to abort stood in the hospital with his dear little wife in the bed beside with their brand new baby. And I stood there with little Odin in my son's arms. And I flashed back all those years Mm. and thought, I am looking at the generational blessing of choosing life. Mm. I must tell the story. And so I stopped writing Woman of Worship then. And it was January 8th. I went home from the hospital. And honestly, Carol, you know what the Lord is like, the hound of heaven. I would wake up in the night. I'd say, Lord, I only have three stories. I can't do a book on three stories. And you know what he said? I was walking down by the lake and I wasn't, I I wanted to do it. I had that compelling sense that this was from God. However, I just didn't know how I was going to get enough stories to compile a book. And as clear as could be, he said, watch me. That was God's word to me. And for the following six months, every day, I watched God bring people into my life, bring people into my life with the most incredible stories. And I didn't know these people before, Carol. I, so the book is comprised of 12 moms, four dads, and one grieving grandma who share how abortion impacted their lives. And uh, so these beautiful people were willing to write their stories. But because of my love for God's word, because that is what I breathe, it needed to have God's word in every story. And so that was one of the criterias. The, The healing was ongoing for some of them. They really weren't completely healed, but they all had a scripture or a passage that was helping them in their healing. And that's what we wanted. We wanted to make God famous for the women who are post abortive. So for women who are listening today, who 
chose to have an abortion, um, what, what would be the hope that you could give them today? What's the truth you can offer them? Well, the great healer, the one that knows us better than anybody else, he chooses to heal us so that his name can be made great. And we have messes turned into messages. We have tests turned into testimonies. Our past does not define our future or our destiny. Isn't that wonderful? It is. It is so wonderful. So where can people purchase your Bible studies and the book, Unborn Untold? Well, certainly I'd love for people to visit my website, which is wordstoinspire.ca. You can see all of them there. But for those in America, everything is available on Amazon. But you could find out more about them and a bit more personal if you went to our website. And repeat your website again for us, Ruth. wordstoinspire.ca. Okay, great. And we'll put that in the show notes so that it's easy for my friends to just click on it. Oh, I hope that you're enjoying my conversation with Ruth Coghill. Isn't she refreshing? Like, I want to be just like her when I grow up. Before Ruth and I continue our chat, I just wanted to take a minute and invite you to visit my website, which is carolmccloudministries.com. On my website, you can read a blog post. You can listen to a Bible study. You can leave a prayer request, which I love it when you do that. Leave a prayer request or even do some shopping. I'd love to hear from you. So please take time to connect with me through the website by leaving a comment or a prayer request. When you sign up for our mailing list, which you can do on the website, you'll receive a weekly devotional in your email box and I can guarantee you, every devotional that comes your way will deliver a dose of joy to your heart. I love serving you, the women of my generation, and I love hearing from you. So never hesitate to send me an email at carol at carolmccloudministries.com. But now, let's get back to my sweet conversation with Ruth Coghill. So Ruth, tell me... What other women have deeply impacted your life? Who have your role models been? (laughs) Well, certainly my mother was a great role model. And she um, had very little, but one of the things that she taught me was, it's not what you have. It's what you do with what you have. And the other little quote that she used to say was, the Bible has the answer to everything, which I question. But the Third one was make the best of it. So my mom was an incredible role model to me, Uh, did was able to entertain people on just a shoestring. And uh, she um, looked after my father who needed to retire at the age of 45. Incidentally, the same age my father, my husband was when we conceived our last son due to mental illness. My dad was a pastor. And, uh, and so mental illness hit our home very hard. Not the kind of depression that I had, but a true chemical imbalance. And so for the following years that my mom lived, she looked after him. And, um, and it was quite a, a journey, a difficult journey. But I saw both of them in the most trying situations stand on the word of God. 
And so both my parents and all of my Bible studies are dedicated to them and what they were able to do in spite of the fact that some considered my dad's life a wasted life. But then Margaret Gibb is founder and CEO of Women Together, an international women's ministry. And we we met 20 years ago and we have been friends. We've Our paths have kind of, uh, you know, left each other for a while, but we always seem to come back together. But we have been true women who have championed each other and championed other women that you can be more than you ever thought you could be when you plug into what God has for you, not what you think you have for yourself, but what God has for you. Uh, She would be a second and then lots of book mentors. I mean, I love Corey Ten Boom and all of the treasures that she taught us, the simple truths of being in prison, but being free. And, you know, I have a peer peer mentor right now. And maybe for some people, she would be an unlikely one. But she's my friend, Cindy Desjardins Wilkins. And she's the quadruple amputee. And and I have watched her. She's younger than me. But you know, we can have role models that are younger than us, because she has gone through the unthinkable as a young woman who's lost her hands and feet. And I just say that, you know, we herald and we we just really say, way to go, bravo. You are doing things that people told you you could never do because you've leaned in to the one who really knows what your life is all about. Amen. So good. So good. You know, Ruth, legacy is a really popular word today. We all talk about legacy? What legacy will you leave? Um, but the interesting thing about that word to me is that legacy is actually talking about today because we're choosing today what type of legacy we will leave those who come after us. And so, Ruth, all the time I think about in 20 or 30 years, what do I want my children or grandchildren to, to remember about me, to say, oh, Mar- my grandchildren call me Marmy. Oh, Marmy, remember when? So- What type of legacy do you want to leave, Ruth? When your children and grandchildren talk about you in 20 or 30 years, what do you want them to say about Grandma Ruth? Well, they they call me Nana. Nana, love (laughs) it. And so Nana Ruth, I would, first of all, and this sounds really crazy, but I would want them to say that Nana Ruth was a lot of fun. That's really important to me because life is tough and, you know, we can have fun and no matter what's going on, just that little spark, I would want that. And then I would want to say that my family was very important to me and that they would be my first mission field, that they would know that, that I considered them the most important gift that God had given to me to steward. I would definitely want that. We have created this place here so that our family could be here together with us because the togetherness of family is something that I really want to pass on. So many do not have this. We love to embrace other people into our family so that they could enjoy our family activity. So fun, the importance of family, and then a high view of God. Mm -hmm. If my grandchildren know me as Nana Ruth, 
has a high view of God, that nothing is too big for him, that rough is not as big as God. A rough day is not nearly as big as God. That would be the three things that I would like my legacy to be. Oh, and I'm sure it will be, Ruth. Just visiting with you for the last few minutes, I, I know that that will be your legacy. You know, Ruth, I, I'm a Bible teacher. I, I, I live and breathe to, to teach the Word. And when I teach the Word, often I will say, and this is my favorite Bible verse. And my friends have said to me, Carol, you need to quit saying that because every verse is your favorite Bible verse. Well, there might be a few in Leviticus that I'd say, no, those are my favorites. But, um, tell us, what, what's your favorite Bible verse and why? The, my favorite and is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I keep going back to that to be my life verse. And I have a yearly verse, sometimes a monthly verse. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding or your own thinking. You can't figure it out. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. This is his promise. There's conditions to it. And so I love it because I have my part to play. It's not nearly the part that he plays. So good. I love that verse too. So good. Um, Ruth, I have five children. And when they were all at home around the dinner table, I loved to ask them questions. And, and one of the questions we would ask to my children was this one. If you could have been at any biblical event... Which one would you have been at and why? And of course, my boys wanted to be where David brought down Goliath or the walls of Jericho came falling down. My little girls always wanted to be at the manger in Bethlehem. But if you could have been at any biblical event, Ruth, which one would you have been at and why? Well, I guess I have a little bit of a bias here, but I would definitely want to be Ruth just who I've been named after. Uh, because Ruth's story, even though the, the beginning of that story is so, so sad, you know, three weeping women. And, uh, but the story that she brought the Gentiles into the family of God, I mean, can you imagine having that? And then choosing the God of Abraham over all of the gods of her, of Moab. And then, I mean, come on, Carol, the romantic scene at the threshing floor, come on. Like, <laughs> like who gets that kind of a story? And especially with the blessing of your mother-in-law. I mean, there's so many exciting parts about that story. And of course, that is book three of in the WOW series. And I learned so much more about Ruth. I love her more than ever. And I'm going to stay with her and I'm going to do a movie with her in my own little world. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I'll buy you your popcorn and join you as you watch that movie. <laughs> the best chick flick ever. <laughs> I mean, Carol, she got her name in the genealogy of Jesus. And right. we don't know for sure. She might have been in that temple offering babies to we We don't know. And see, for the women that are listening today or whoever's listening, your past does not define your future. Because, you see, she turned in the middle of chapter one 
and she chose God. And so what her past was, that was her past. And now this future was like, oh my goodness, look at what God has done with this woman. Why? Because she chose the God of Abraham and entered into a covenant relationship. And once that, whoever does that, you just cannot imagine all the joys that God has for you. Yes, yes. I, I love the psalm that says that um, he will accomplish what concerns you. And he That's did it for Ruth in spite of her past. He accomplished a great thing. And Ruth, she didn't know it when she was on that dusty road in deep mourning. She didn't know it when she and her mother-in-law were might have been starving to death. She didn't know the great things God was going to do with her life. And my friends who are listening today, you don't know either what God's going to do with, yeah. with a life that's committed to Christ. Well, our time together has gone way, way too fast. I, we, we, we're going to have to do this again. <laughs> but I always like to close with a little bit of fun. And so we, we, some people would call it the lightning round because I love the sound of music. I call it a few of my favorite things. And so I'm just going to put some things out there. And as quickly as you can, tell me what your favorite is in each of these categories, okay? Okay, so Ruth, other than the Bible, what is the favorite book you have ever read? Walking Among the Unseen. By? Hannah Hernard. Old, oh. old, long, classic. Got it. I'm going to write it down. Um, so Ruth, what is the current worship song that goes straight into your gut that you cannot even hear the first few chords without tears gathering in your eyes? What is that worship song? Well, I'm sorry, it's not current, but it's there's something about that name. Yes. Love it. Love it. Um, what is your favorite way to rejuvenate? Walk or skate. Walking. Me too. Oh, so you skate. You're Peggy Fleming, huh? I love I love skating. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Okay, your favorite dessert. Oh, creme brulee. <laughs> your favorite holiday? Thanksgiving. Okay, okay. Um, your favorite vacation spot? Oh, Hawaii. <laughs> Me too. Uh, your favorite devotional? Oh, my favorite devotional. Oh, my goodness. I have so many of them. I'm going to say, well, let's do Jesus Calling. I haven't done that for a few years, but that was a good one. It's a good one. What did you want to be when you were a little girl? <laughs> I wanted to be a nurse. <laughs> did you? Well, you are. Yeah. You're a spiritual nurse. You're the, you're the Christian Red Cross. You're helping people come back to life. Well, the reason that that was true was because I spent time in the hospital as a little girl, preteen, and um, for tests for two weeks. And the nurses were so good to me. They put made a little nurse hat for me, and they let me do little things. And I just thought it was the most noble job ever. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, Ruth, I love you. I have loved talking to you. <laughs> I just feel like if we lived in the same town or within three hours away, we'd be best girlfriends, just changing it. the world for the Lord. So yeah. before we go today, would you pray for my friends who are to. listening? Okay, let's to. pray. Heavenly Father, we are so honored that we can come right boldly before your throne this morning. 
thank you for all the provision that you have made for us through Jesus, your son. Thank you for everyone that is listening today. Father, you care for them more than they ever have known. So today I just pray, Lord, that your love would flow through this podcast, through Carol and me, to everyone that's listening, that your love would flow through us to each listener today. For those that don't know you, I pray that they would call on you because you are so near. You are as near as the mention of your name. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to proclaim how great you are. We thank you. We love you. And may Jesus Christ be honored and glorified. And we recognize the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Ruth. Now, please don't miss it. If, if you love the Word of God, if you want to love the Word of God, if you know that you need the Word of God, I want to encourage you to immerse yourself in one of Ruth's Bible studies. They're available on her website, which is wordstoinspire.ca. Thank you for joining me this week on the Significant Women Podcast. I hope that you'll share this episode with your friends and family members and something else I wish you'd do. Would you leave a review on one of our hosting platforms? Whichever one you listen to is fine. Just a few words of recommendation means the world to us. In closing, I want to remind you, my friend, that you were created for significance. You were created to partner with your creator and to demonstrate his very character on earth today. When God the Father looks at your life, do you know what he sees? He sees a woman of grand significance. I'll see you next time on Significant Women.